I can't put my finger on why, but I found this to be a really, really boring film. Really? It's not, yeah, it's not because I was in a bad mood, because I watched Free Solo again right after, and I loved it, so it wasn't like I was just not prepared to watch any film for two hours. I just, for some reason, couldn't get into this at all. Howdy do again, and welcome to all our listeners. Uh, welcome back to Geek Sweat and another episode of Cult Film, where we take a meander through the world of the great and not-so-great video game to film adaptations. I'm your hostess with the mostess, Jay, and welcome. Uh, today's topic of discussion is Warcraft, and once again, I've got the wonderful company of TJ Instigate Jones. Hi there, thanks for having me. Hey, welcome, and King Dom. Hey Jay, good to be here. Hey, welcome back. Right, so, so this is a game um, which was originally released in November 2004. It's an MMORPG. It's massive multiplayer online role-playing game. Um, that was, yeah, so that was like released as like um, a bird's eye view kind of online PC game, wasn't it? I don't know yeah. if any of you guys have played it before. So wasn't it initially a strategy game and then it evolved into an online role-playing game? Is that right? Yeah. Oh, was it? Okay, no, I, I only know it as an MMO RPG. So, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I always got the impression that World of Warcraft went through a lot of phases and stages and there were earlier iterations of, let's say, I would call it expanding world single-player games. And I think the premise of World of Warcraft is the expanding world was now a multiple player platform. And I think that's where it kind of hit its niche, you know? Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that because I've never gotten into Warcraft because I, I'm not a fan of like um, games where you play with a viewer's like bird's eye view when you're looking down on a player wandering around. It's never really been my thing. Um, although. Some of the recent, more recent um, releases are now third person. So um, I might actually, there's a good chance I might check it out actually. Um, although I'm going to need a PC because I'm normally on console. So yeah. So there's, yeah. One, so there's one thing I want to say as well is um, I'm not an expert in World of Warcraft or the gaming community, but the way I understood the uh, the rise of Warcraft was it seemed to tap into a zeitgeist of the Dungeons and Dragons community being represented in game worlds, particularly with graphics, characters, language, terminology, and stuff like that. So I think that was another benefit of Warcraft. It seemed to be kind of hone in on a, a structured template of what a fantasy world was, what it should look like, and who should inhabit that world. Oh yeah, no, it was definitely great for that. I mean, like it was. It, I, I think that's why it took off so so as much as it did was because it's a world that you could lose yourself into. It's kind of like I'm not just watching a film on you know a fa- on a fantasy world. I'm actually in that film, creating my own destiny. You know, I'm I'm the hero, or I can be the. I think you can be an orc as well. So you can be like part of the alliance, or you can be part of the horde. So. Um, there's, I mean, I can see the attraction to that, you know. I mean, and that's why, you know, you hear about people losing themselves in the world of Warcraft for hours, for days, you know. 
all all of your spare time goes into it. And of course, you know, there've been like lots of permutations of the game since it was first released. Um, and I know it developed into something where you could then um, do monetary exchanges as well. So you can purchase items. Um, so yeah, no, it, it, it really did bring the kind of fantasy world into the real world when you're kind of doing trades. Yeah, I just want to add one other thing as well, because um, that decade of 1994, or, uh, sorry, the 90s, that particular decade, I think there was a strange instance of gaming where there was more detail or more immersion because it wasn't just in fantasy, like even in the football gaming world, I think you had championship manager and football manager, which was exploring not just how to pick a team and play the team. Now you can have transfers and change people's personalities. And I think even games like Lara Croft Tomb Raider, where you had that one person adventure strategy, you now could pick up packs and now get intercut with film stories rather than like film story cutaways of the game whilst you're playing as well. So Warcraft kind of came in on this kind of wave of, yeah, like you said, just experiential gameplay, which mm. gets you mm. lost into hours and sometimes days of gaming rather than just you hopping yeah. in and out. But even then the gaming wasn't necessarily just kind of, it wasn't as linear as, for example, Lara Croft. Mm. Um, the whole exploration of the world around you, you know, mm. the whole building of communities, you know, it was kind of like a life within a life, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, yeah, I, yeah, so World of Warcraft. So the, the film itself, that was released in 2007, 2016, May 2016, yeah. um, and it was um, uh, called Warcraft as opposed to World of Warcraft. Um, so what were your th first thoughts on it, Dom? You've, you've watched it now, I'm assuming? I have watched it. I have. Um, honestly? I can't put my finger on why, but I found this to be a really, really boring film. Really? It's not, yeah, it's not because I was in a bad mood, because I watched Free Solo again right after, and I loved it. So it wasn't like I was just not prepared to watch any film for two hours. I just, for some reason, couldn't get into this at all. Okay, what about you, Trevor? Before I answer, can I ask Dom, how many times have you watched Warcraft in total? The film. I've watched it once. Okay. Because I'm coming from the experience of having watched it twice or maybe two and a half times. And um, when the film first came out, I wasn't interested in the film being released. I was interested in what's Duncan Jones's next project because I was following him, not just because he was the son of um, David Bowie, I think, and Iman, but the idea that um, he'd made a film called Moon, which was like an exceptional undertaking. Uh, and it was like a one person story, uh, or almost a one person story, which mainly featured around Sam Rockwell on this isolated um, rock, as it were, in space. And then he did Source Code, which mm -hmm. is kind of like a very small cast again. And it's like a, a time loop repeated over time. So the interesting thing about Warcraft is it's, it's a massive undertaking by comparison because he's not just creating and building a world, but there's a, 
the the cast numbers and the characters that you've got to create in real life and um, CGI is just a massive number by comparison. So I, I just wanted to see how Duncan Jones would cope with it. And for me, I actually felt it was complicated to watch the first time I saw it, but the second time I appreciate the detail and the scale that he's trying to address in such a short space of time. And I understand it's just a small chapter of the world of Warcraft universe. And that being the reason why it's called Warcraft and not the world of Warcraft. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also um, what I've also found was um, it was basically almost like it was like a pilot episode of something that should have been a TV series, you know. I mean, like, there have been lots and lots of comparisons to Game of Thrones and, you know, series like that. But World of Warcraft, you know, once you understand that the game itself is, you know, it's huge, it's huge. The world itself is huge. And as you said, this film just touches on a small part of that. Um, so it, it also felt that they had to try and kind of like put in a lot in a small space of time. And as a result, it almost felt like they relied on um, the fans to know everything. They, they, they relied on the audience knowing the characters. They relied on the audience knowing Warcraft um, or, you know, having played the game. But in essence... The, I think the audience was much, much wider than that because I, at the time I saw it, I was not in Warcraft. I just wanted to see it for the ogres, not ogres, <laughs> the orcs and, and orcs. you know, the, yeah, the orcs and the magic and, the you know, the fantasy world, the CGI. I, I, I wanted to see it for, for a different thing. And it's kind of like... Is, I'm, I'm a fan of epic fantasy films. I, I love epic fantasy films. and. That's the reason why I saw this. But one of the big things that got me was that some of the names are so complicated, I never picked them up. Like it took me a while to kind of like, what was that name? What was that name? Um, and then, you know, just little, um, from, from what I understand, there are lots of little Easter eggs for people who do play Warcraft, so lots of little kind of nods to the fan there that just went over my head. Um, but I would expect that because I'm not a player of Warcraft. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I just want to say a bit of backstory into this film as well, because um, uh, as quickly as I can, uh, Blizzard had seemed to have uh, bought the rights to it in 2006. And um, so that's a decade before the film even gets released. And you've got a situation where there's been three directors before it came to Duncan Jones. So Uwe Boll could have been a director, Sam Ray. Who we're very director. familiar with in this strand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so it finally came to Duncan Jones um, in January 2013, just three years before the production date. And his main concern appeared to be um, fantasy is stuck in a, a stale trope of humans are the good guys, anything that's monster or monster-like or other are the bad guys. And he wanted to address that. And I think he understood also that the world of Warcraft couldn't just be sold and told in one chapter and he had to kind of build a platform to bounce off of. So I always got the impression and it seems like Duncan Jones understood that this was the franchise building film 
as mm. opposed to being the one-off film. And unfortunately, and I'm not trying to excuse anything about the quality of his directing, but it seems that his uh, wife was diagnosed with breast cancer soon after he took over filming. And unfortunately, the late great uh, musician David Bowie also died uh, from cancer late into production. So it seemed like he didn't just have to contend with the industry expectations, but there's a series of personal misfortunes that he had to get through to make this film, which I think might come out in the references to family and legacy of family moving forward um, in some of the characters' plot arcs. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely set itself up to have sequels, um, which doesn't seem to be in the works yet, but um, who mm. knows? Um, they might have a... They might decide to do a series instead, but I haven't heard anything. Has, have, have any of you guys read anything about a sequel? Or no, anything? haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, all I, I mean, statistically, the budget was 160 million pounds. It's made back 439 million. So those numbers yeah. seem to be good. It was a hit. But I, I don't think it made those numbers in the cinema. I think it might be from back deals and salesmen. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. The, the thing is, right, so... If you, if you look at kind of like the critics and stuff like that, it, it scored very low, like 3.8 or something. So yeah. it, it, it sounded like people hated the film. But then I'm, I'm kind of like reading other reviews of people who play Warcraft and they, they actually really enjoyed it. So, mm. yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that money was from merchandise and things like that rather than the film itself. But isn't that why they say box office? Because I would have... Yeah. Let me just correct my last statement because apparently it's the first video game to cross the $400 million sale in tickets globally oh, and it surpassed the highest grossing film of all time at that time, which is Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, which, as we all know, we've reviewed. And it yeah. made $100 million in China before it made $100 million in the United States. So I think that's where the criticism came from, that people in the United States wasn't taken up to watch it at the cinema but people worldwide were watching it in great numbers. And Warcraft was massive in China. Yeah, yeah, that's my understanding as well. So it was kind of like foreign purchase was actually what what brought it up. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed it, but, 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 you know, that was mainly because of the CGI and stuff. Um, yeah. In terms of storyline, oh, my God, that romance between, was it Lothar? Lothar. Lothar yeah. and... And Gamora, not, not, it's not Gamora. I, I always want to say Gamora, and it's Garona. She is Gamora. She's Gamora with teeth. <laughs> I keep on saying Gamora, but it's not Gamora. It's Gamora or something? Uh, Garona. Yeah, yeah. Garona. Garona, yeah. Garona, yeah. Yeah, Paula Patton. I just said that three times. You don't trust <laughs> me. <laughs> it's not that I don't trust you. It's just, yeah. you know, you just need to figure it out yourself in your head sometimes. Do, do you feel she was, was a romantic interest for the undoing Lothar character played by Travis Fimmel? Well, I, I thought it was an unlikely, unlikely pairing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, um, but also, I don't know what happens in World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, but even just looking at the character... Um, you know, pictures of the character in, in World of Warcraft. She's not a, an attractive halfling, you know what I mean? She's not an attractive half-breed at all. So I, I don't know what the attraction was there, you know, what attraction was there other than, you know, 
Do you know, in her dialogue, she seems to be the only character talking about mating. Like, she mentions it, like, eight or nine times, like, she's obsessed with it, because she, I think when the Ruth Nager character is playing the princess, uh, she refers to uh, her as being the mate of the king. And then I think when, um, I think, I can't remember if the, the magician boy, as I'm going to call him now, Kadgar, <laughs> comes into the room. Um, she's saying that she would crush him or injure him if she mated with him. And it kind of like by a process of elimination, the only person she doesn't discount is Andrew in Lofo, who's the main character played by Travis Fimmel. And yeah. I felt um, his character by default is becomes a dating match um, in the kind of OK Cupid sense because he hasn't got a wife because his baby mother died in childbirth and then all of a sudden he then doesn't have a kid because of um, a death in the family on the battlefield so all of a sudden he's young free and single again um, in in (laughs) the darkest of ways yeah I mean Dom how did you see the uh, reference point of um, uh, the Andrew and Lothar and Garona relationship it was a bit strange, wasn't it? Like, Garona was a bizarrely sexualised character, which, like um, Jay said, she isn't in the game. Yeah. Like, the first time you see her, she's literally being led in in chains. And it's a bit like Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi. Well, it's your fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm yeah. likening it to yeah. literally that trope. A woman in chains. That's yeah. how you get it. Dom just went off into a tangent. I'm, I'm not responsible for the way the filmmakers portrayed her. That's how did, they chose to portray her. Did you black out at any time during the film, Dom? I, I made it through the whole two and a bit hours without blacking out. What, what did you think of, like, the scenery and the costumes? Yeah, I mean, it was spectacular. Although very reminiscent of Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings. Mm-mm. I mean, I kept thinking I was seeing like a, a Lord of the Rings scene or a Hobbit scene. Yeah. Uh, excepting that the, um, the orcs actually talk. Yeah. And you can understand them. And they're green, or some of them are green. Yeah. See, that was another thing as well. Well, one's find... blue. Well, because I didn't find out until after I watched the film again that the reason you had green orcs and kind of like pasty blue blue orcs is because the ones that are green are the ones that have fell um, magic in them yeah i didn't realize that maybe right. it was mentioned i i missed it but yeah i didn't realize um well the thing was at the very beginning of this film and again it's called warcraft i mean it's called warcraft but i think later on it was called warcraft the beginning so it's even on imdb it mentions it warcraft was the original title and it seems like a year after when there's some decisions made, it's then called Warcraft, the semicolon in the beginning. And um, the opening scene is actually a confrontation on the battlefield, like the two last men standing, mm, or last yeah. man and last orc standing, who are about to challenge each other and fight. And you get the feeling, or I got the feeling, that that was like test screen footage that they used to begin the film just to kind of get you into the world of you have to believe this is a fleshy orc that can communicate and interact with human beings. And I think it cleverly starts off from the orcs world of trying to create a portal because there's the suspension of disbelief is the, the the gateway from where the orcs are coming from to get into the world of the humans. And I felt 
You know what? This is very high level and acceptable CGI for um uh for orcs or non-human combatants. And again, this is only I think you can only get this from watching the second time. I didn't know it was Toby Kebble. Toby Kebble <laughs> is playing Durotan and that and, and just to, is Toby to, Kebble from Dark Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah. And also to call back um Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. So yeah. exceptional work from the CGI team on this, from my opinion. But and you can only yeah. really appreciate it once you've watched it twice. Yeah, and I I I appreciate it. Um, a lot of the facial expressions that they had on the orcs as well, which, you know, sometimes they get it so wrong, but I, I think in Warcraft they did it so right. Um, and because of that, I, I think that when it came to the orc characters, um, is it Duratan? Yeah, Duratan. Um, you could actually feel for that character um, because of it. Um, yeah, but that's just my thought anyway. Um, interestingly, the uh, um, in, in terms of the costume, I loved the armor because just looking at pictures from the actual video game, you know, the armor is huge, absolutely massive, and so like to have that kind of scale of armor on a person in a live action film, it would have looked really stupid. But the way they did it in the film was it was still large, but it wasn't overbearingly, stupidly large. So I think they did really well with that. And it was really nice and shiny too. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, who doesn't like a nice shiny uniform with a muscly man inside it? But um, I think the it does it does create a sense of realism. I mean, one thing that I thought I was going to have trouble with was the sense of scale because the orcs are kind of like, um, I'm not sure if mesomorphic is the right word, but they are still kind of based on a human male and female frame, but just expanded and discombobulated in certain areas. But the way those characters move and make motion on screen, especially in the fight scenes, um, you, it must have been a great cinematic spectacle. So I think the only thing I miss about Warcraft is not seeing it at the cinema for the first time. I did liken a lot of those um, fist fights to the Hulk because yeah. the, the movement was very similar. Um, if you compare films like it was Jekyll and Hyde, mm. um, I can't remember which one had The League of Gentlemen? Movement. League of Gentlemen, I think it was yeah. that one. Even then, the, the movement was very similar to that as well. So, yeah, mm. some, some very um, – it looks like it, they've reused the uh, – the, the oh, I've forgotten my words. <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> well, They've used the same technology. Well, let me pull you out of the fire on that one because um, there is actually a connection with uh, Warcraft and the Hulk movie. Industrial Light and Magic is the visual yeah. effects company that worked on ILM, Hulk yeah. and Iron Man, and um, it looks like they lent their services. And I, I'm quite sure to myself there was one facial feature of an orc that looked very similar to the Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton's The Incredible Hulk. Oh, really? Hulk face as well. <laughs> but um, maybe, it was like a cameo. A, a, yeah. An Easter egg if you were looking hard enough for it. We just probably need yeah. to freeze it frame by frame. So anyone yeah, watching yeah. Warcraft after this, after this episode, <laughs> watch it very <laughs> carefully in freeze frame. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah. How did you find, did, did any characters stand out for you? 
or was it just the main ones that you normally? Uh, do you know what? In terms of, I wasn't very interested in the individual characters of the Warcraft world, but the Warcraft world reminded me of an old 1980 film called Excalibur, and it had its uh, Merlin and uh, King Arthur character and the kind of Knights of the Round Table. So yeah. I was kind of satisfied in the way that the Stormwind Kingdom and the relationship between Stormwind and I think Ironforge uh, worlds kind of met and related to that. And also I was kind of presently surprised by the performance of Ben Foster because I think the film that I'd seen him in before that was Free Ten to Yuma, which is a Western, which is a completely different genre. So to see him playing um, a worldly wide, wise wizard, um, it made me feel like he had a good range and it made me enjoy the performance a bit more. Totally off point, but 310 to Yuma is a decent film. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jay, go ahead. No, it's okay. I, I, like, I like those scenes, actually, with the magic and all that. Um, although it took me a while to kind of, like, pick up that green was specifically the fell. And, and it because, like, when he was kind of, like, in his pool of magic, it, his, his blue, bright blue pool of magic, and his eyes went green, I didn't pick that up the first time. That that was when the the young wizard. What's the young wizard's name? I want to I want to say his name. I'll check him again. I'll, I want to say Cadgar was the name. Cadgar. I need to see his face. It was played by Ben Schnetzer. Yeah, it was Cadgar. Yeah, Cadgar. Um, yeah. But the thing is, I think the color code was there early on. But it I was, think it's. But I it's don't know what it was. I think it's got to do with are you paying attention to the backstory or are you get mesmerized by the visuals because. I think it's three scenes in that you understand that there's a portal and it's just co coincidentally green. And I think um, there's four colours or three colours. There's four colours, I think, that are important in the magic transference or aura. So green is the fell, which is being used in an illegitimate way. White is the life force being sucked out of any living creature before it gets transferred into any, something else. Some blue, great effects there. <laughs> yeah, blue is supposed to indicate you're using good magic or you're imbued with good magic. And yellow, I think, was the crossover from blue to green, which is you've been corrupted in some way and you could go one way or the other. Yeah, Thank you for explaining right. that. <laughs> because I, I think it's mainly because I don't play the game. Yeah. And so, but that's what I was saying earlier, is that if you're someone who's just an audience member who's never played the games, you wouldn't get that immediately. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, I think I remember watching it the first time and it, it, it felt like hard work Yeah. Um, to kind of figure things out. Mm. Um, and especially with the names as well, because some of them are, are kind of I can't even, I can't even do them now. So <laughs> yeah. can I just do a quick roll call just to kind of demonstrate what you're talking? So we've got sure. Anduin Lofar, Garona, Medivh, Lane Rin, uh, Kadgar, Ogrin, Blackhand, Gul'dan, Lady Taria, Dracomoros, and Kalin, and Karos. And those are the main characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you've got like these funny, funny names, like um, there's the, 
what, Black Hand. Yeah. Rom Hellscream. Um, who's Varian Rin? I don't even remember seeing a Varian Rin. Well, oh, think- was that the child? That was the child that ran off on the horse. Yeah, the yeah, king's yeah. Because he becomes the, the a future king. Yeah, there was a lot of children just kind of disappearing into forests, ethers, or down rivers um, to kind of open up the story to a sequel. I noticed as well. Yeah, and but even even then, at the in the very very last scene where um, the the little baby orc has been yeah. like found at the end of the river. Mm. Um, so, but that that's one of the reasons why I think there's definitely a sequel on its way. I just don't know when, but it'd be interesting to see see what that um, spits out because technology would have moved on a lot from yeah. 2016 as well. Yeah, and there was um, Glenn Close who is obviously Made a, cameo. a fantastic actor. She had a, a very high profile cameo, yeah, as yeah. a Lodi who was kind of like a herald type of character who was helping Cadgar work out how to overcome the next obstacle, which looked like a character that would be called back in a sequel. But she's uncredited as well. Yeah. So that was, was, so what? So she she was like, yeah, I'll I'll do it, but don't put my name on it. I'm so embarrassed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I, I, I feel maybe it's more she's in it, but not significantly enough. And I think to put her name in the credits would mislead a lot of the audience. So I get the feeling that she's probably asked to be on credit because, I mean, it's a CGI moment. She's got like 60 seconds on screen and then she's out. So it's yeah, never there yeah. again. So. so so, Dom, just out of curiosity, why did you, I mean, like you said it was boring, but did you dislike it? I mean, like, did you just. Uh, no, I didn't actively dislike it, but I found the exposition hard work at the beginning. And mm. I felt like there could have been a way to make it more accessible for someone who's not familiar with the game. In fact, I am a little bit familiar with the game, and even so, I found the exposition hard work. Mm. Mm. Do, do you feel like it would, would have been better as a kind of like a multi-series? Like if, mm. if that movie was mm. like a 10-part miniseries or a you know a bit, a bit of a Game of Thrones kind of series? Yeah, mm. or like The Witcher, for example, which was oh, yeah. I think we can agree was successful as a TV series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, actually, no, I, I would agree with that because I, th- I think Witcher as a standalone film would have been... Yeah. It would have had many I, of the I, same I, problems. I, yeah, and I, I would have felt un- unsatisfied, mm. I think, if it was a film. Well, I guess, like, one other thing, comparing it to The Witcher, I did feel it was missing a bit of humour. It was kind of crushingly serious at some points, and mm. I felt like a bit more lightness of touch would have helped. Like even the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films have some moments of humour to balance all the See, I, epic I, high I, fantasy. I agree with that as well because I think there were parts in Warcraft where they attempted a bit of humour because definitely um, Lothar had a, um, a couple of moments with. Um, yeah. I keep on wanting to say Gamora, but I know it's um, yeah. Gam- Garona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they they had a few funny moments, and even um, Lothar had a few funny moments with the wizards. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they tried, but it probably just didn't kind of like hit and land the way it should have. Um, yeah, they didn't seem to have that comedy nuanced character um, in there to just kind of make some light hearted jokes. But I just want to say one thing. Um, 
Marvel were kind of skipping into it now, but I feel like the World of Warcraft could have benefited from being a film that goes into a TV series and back into a film. So it felt like there needed to be an explanation of the orcs. And then you can go into a world where all of the characters, orcs, dwarves, dragons, and all that cross over. And it feels like what we saw needed to kind of spin into a spin-off series and then come back at the beach film maybe a few years later. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but it's kind of like, um, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like Game of Thrones where you first start seeing the dragons. Like, I want to see more dragons. Well, now I want to see more griffins. Mm. I thought the griffin was cool. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's just me and, you know, fantasy animals. Yeah. I, I think griffins are <laughs> unrepresented or underrepresented as fantasy are. animals, aren't they? They are underrepresented. I mean, it's the same with a lot of um, mythical creatures, though, isn't it? I'd, I'd like to see something with the Cerberus. Yeah. Well, there is some, um, the original Clash of the Titans. That has uh, Cerberus. Oh, really? Yeah. God. Have I have even you never seen, seen that? that I don't know if I have. That's, that's a classic <laughs> stop motion animation by Ray Harryhausen. Oh, in that case, probably not. <laughs> but anyway, we've got to wrap up because we've kind of run out of time. So um, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, thank you, Trevor, for your time. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much, Dom, for your contribution today as well. Thank you. <laughs> Let's hope uh, the next one is um, better than this one. Um, although I didn't, we quite, live in hope. <laughs> although I, I, I kind of got it that Dom didn't really appreciate it, but maybe Trevor did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he's quite. <laughs> sorry, Jay. How many times have you watched it? Warcraft? Um, twice. Okay, so basically, my theory on Warcraft, this specific film, is I think there are Easter eggs in it for the Warcraft fans, but I think there's an e and there's layers of enjoyment that can be gained from watching it a second time. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is give it another shot. Yes, Dom. Watch it again. Now that you know a little bit more about it, you can look for little bits that kind of like hurt your fancy. Exactly. Okay. I'll, be I'll, I'll, and, and, I'll report back to you, Jay. Yeah, and, you know, things that pique your interest. Yeah. Anyway, that's all from us. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Geek Spit and Pulp Film. I am Jay. See you later. Bye. Bye.